Welcome to The Thought Diaries, a podcast dedicated to mental health, neuroscience and trauma. I'm your host, Roxanne, owner of Helix Trauma Training and founder of Trauma Healing UK. Hi everyone, this morning I'm joined by Isabel from Moving Minds. Isabel, I was wondering if you can maybe just tell us a bit about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Hello, I'm Isabel. As um, Roxanne said, I'm from Moving Minds. I work with something called TMS. Um, TMS stands for transcranial magnetic stimulation. And um, essentially, it's a, a magnet that creates a magnetic field around the magnet and sends a magnetic pulse to a targeted area of the brain. So it's held over the, the head. Um, and you can use it to either increase the activity of the cells and the neurons or decrease the activity of the cells and the neurons. Um, yeah, so we have a mental health company that that's kind of our main focus of, of what we use at Moving Minds. Um, but we do some kind of aftercare things as well using different integrative mm-hmm. therapies and kind of a focus on whole well-being and holistic yeah. So TMS is quite a new thing. As far as I'm aware, what would you say the last 20 years? Even I think because it's only been maybe the last year that I've heard of TMS because you've heard of uh, ECT. That was always, yes, when I think of TMS, I I closely link it to ECT, even though it is different. But in terms of the progress of that technology uh, and ECTs, God, goes back way back way back yeah way back uh, so yeah how was it developed why why was it developed do you know Isabel yeah so it was first um used actually to map out the brain um so they they kind of used it to stimulate certain areas of the brain and see what happened was was something else a behavior or a response elicited as a result of the stimulus um the main one they did first of all was they targeted the motor area Mm -hmm. and they found that when they targeted the motor area or a specific part of the motor area in the brain when they stimulated that um they caused twitches in the hand muscles yeah um so then they could say oh actually if we can use this to get a response from the muscles then we must be able to use it to get a response in other functions of the brain Mm -hmm. um but that was the first tms device as we know it now was developed by someone called simon barker um i think that was in 85 so not that long ago Um, and it was originally used yeah for that kind of functionality testing functionality and mapping out the brain Mm -hmm. and then it was slowly used um and developed to be used not only for psychiatric conditions but also neurological ones um things like strokes as well it's Mm -hmm. now beginning Mm -hmm. to be used for um but um it came in the uk as an approved treatment for major depressive disorder so depression Mm -hmm. in 2015 um but before that, in 2008, it was in the United States. So yeah. we're a few years behind the States. But um, Am I correct in thinking that it's only really been England that's adopted it as a treatment in Scotland or so? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So 
in England, the first NHS trust to pick it up was Northampton. That's mm -hmm. now developed and there's a few more that have picked it up in the NHS, but there's many yeah. more cli private clinics across England. In Scotland, there's just two private clinics. Uh, one is R1, Moving Minds in Glasgow, mm -hmm. and the other one is in Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, at this stage, there's no NHS. Um, yeah. There's no NHS for it in in Scotland yet, uh, but that's something that we're hoping to kind of work towards and help get it on the NHS yeah. um, because it's amazing treatment that will help many, many people who need it. Yeah, and it, I mean, I was looking at the research the other day and mm -hmm. the studies are showing it's effective, especially for if we kind of focus on depression because that, that's yeah. what it's approved for at mm -hmm. the moment in this country. And if anybody's ever, I think it, it's important for us to differentiate differentiate between like really chronic long-term depression which is if you've experienced that or if anybody's experienced that I guess it's people have lived 30 40 years yeah. depressed they don't know yeah. anything else mm -hmm. uh, and medications haven't worked all sorts of treatments haven't worked because I yeah. always I always think I'm, I'm going back to ECT slightly but Mm -hmm. uh, there's some argument within the mental health about and I'm doing myself a, a job here as well um, that if you go to therapy or you change your lifestyle or you, you do this and you do that then you'll get better you're just not trying hard enough but yeah. I don't think people realize the debilitating absolutely feel the symptom of being like that for 40 years which is why yeah. like again ECT has its controversies but at the end of the day, if something's going to work, and that's why I think DMS yeah. is great because it's yeah. it's a new treatment that everything else has failed. It's not yeah. in this person's head. No one Absolutely. chooses to live for 40 years depressed. Yeah, it targets it in a very biological way. And uh, mm -hmm. as I said, it kind of goes, well, it does, it goes straight to the, to the network that we target for depression. Um, yeah. And yeah, it is recommended for those who are se severely depressed and, as you say, have had it for many, many years. And, yeah. yeah, whilst, as you say, the kind of lifestyle factors and the therapies can help people who mm -hmm. have more kind of mild or moderate depression, yeah. they're still able to put those practices and techniques and skills that the therapist is giving them into practice. But yeah. for those people who've had it for many years yeah. they simply can't their brain is not functioning at the same level they simply yeah. can't no matter how much they want to mm -hmm. they they won't be able to put those into place unless something else yeah. is done before definitely and that's why I think I think we use the term depression both in the mental health industry and socially culturally but mm -hmm. I think I I would like to see in 20 years time for depression to be broken up I know it is kind of broken up yeah. within the DSM but more into because some people have got genetic predisposition predispositions mm -hmm. yeah. to depression they're mm -hmm. born with structural differences that cannot yeah. be overcome simply by therapy those that have different types of depression yeah I mean obviously I'm a therapist I'm all going to advocate it uh, but it's, it's so different in individuals and that's why I think so many and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Isabel, why so many antidepressants do not work because it's not targeting the specific kind of cause and why that person's depressed in terms of whether it's environmental stress, structural genetics. Definitely. It's, I think with, yeah, 
an antidepressants are kind of just given quite quickly at the moment I think and maybe yeah. for the last few years they're just kind of given to anyone who presents to um, whoever the treating clinician is um, with symptoms of depression but those symptoms are not broken down and looked at yeah. and you know there's there's no kind of individual treatment for them where it's saying okay well you have these symptoms yeah these activities or this therapy will probably be better for you or actually these antidepressants target specifically this so this will work yeah. for you um definitely it's all grouped together yeah, yeah. and it, I, th I mean antidepressants do save people's lives there's, there's no denying that that it does make a difference to some mm -hmm. people but study after study after studies in antidepressants as a whole aren't effective but as we've just said it's because they're not they're not saying right this is the type of people who are more likely to have structural changes that are more likely antidepressants to work or whether it's environment however you want to class it mm -hmm. and what i think is wrong within the i guess mental health consultations and stuff that people are getting uh, is that it's never a, a constant it never appears to be a constant conversation mm -hmm. so it's not right let's try this how did that impact you because i think only yeah. through that can we really understand depression and i don't think we've even touched I think we're much better now, but I think from mm -hmm. a practice point of view of how we operate mental health services and therapies yeah. in this country, I think from that point of view, we're nowhere near no. where we need to be. I, I don't think so either. It's kind of at the moment, everyone is treated and it's because to be fair, a lot of it is the lack of funding and, you know, the psychiatrists in the NHS and the psychologists as well. I think a lot of them you know is it a time constraint I don't know I now haven't worked in the NHS for many years but mm -hmm. I think they probably have um you know their own kind of barriers that are preventing them from yeah. working with patients in the way that they want to work with them um but definitely I I think that there needs to be a change within yeah. society at which not only are we um approaching mental health and particularly depression um mm -hmm. but the way that it's it's treated as well and managed because not that's the thing as well it's not everyone yeah. will need a treatment mm -hmm. a, tr a treatment is a biological exactly yeah. that treatment it's medical and that is for those who are more severely depressed yeah. or as we say have had it for a long period of time and I think it can be easy for people to think oh I need a treatment for this and you know not necessarily thinking about the other things that mm -hmm. could help them or that they could yeah. be doing um and that's because, as you say, as society, we, we talk about it in a very specific way. And there's yeah. no, yeah, we, we don't sort of cater for or discuss how it might be different for everyone. And everyone has these different experiences yeah. and throughout their whole life as well. Because for you, obviously, with trauma, a lot of it's developed from, or it can be developed from a young age. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the same with depression. You're much more likely to... Yeah. Um, you're predisposed to depression if you've had mm -hmm. um, childhood trauma and the same with like addiction and all of these things as well um, yeah you know so there's so many different experiences that we have we all live completely different lives yeah um, so of course some of us are going to be affected more and something's going to help us more yeah it's exactly. very individual definitely and I think I'd quite like to see in the NHS more of a 
a tear kind of because you have as you say psychiatrists are under a lot of pressure but you've got your kind of general psychiatrist and I know I, I know they do have like divisions like neuropsychiatry and stuff like that but I'd like to yeah. see more div- referral to more like niche so to TMS to trauma Absolutely. And almost the, the psychiatrist to be more like a GP yeah. for this, this, the, the illness, because that yeah. way that's going to help time management as well. It yeah. doesn't help finances, but that's a different issue. But it certainly helps because if a psychiatrist is only spending 10, 20 minutes with you anyway, yeah. then you'd be better going. And, and it, over the, the long term, it would actually save the NHS a lot of money. I for think. Sure absolutely and it's the same with tms like like i get asked so many times um why hasn't the nhs picked it up like there must be a reason why Mm -hmm. and i mean all the evidence is that there's evidence that it works we know that it's effective the only thing i can think of and that from speaking to other people i know who work within the nhs as psychiatrists Mm -hmm. it's that they don't want to spend or pay the initial upfront cost yeah well, if you pay the initial cost, the rest of it, the rest of the running costs are not that high. Once you have your staff, yeah. you know, you're paying your staff fair enough. But once you've got the machine and you've had the initial training, yeah. that's it. It will run itself. You just need, you know, the, the practitioner or some people now, I think, have nurses as well that do the TMS. But that's that's all you need. Your running cost is then yeah. the, the person that you're employing. I know, but and if you're thinking about someone who has been depressed over 40 years the mm-hmm. impact of they're still going to psychiatrists regularly and they're not getting any any anywhere really they're, they've been on medication for 40 years or different medication constantly changing um this treatment if it has i, I don't know how i think i read one study where it was a follow-up over a year and it was still mm-hmm. effective but i think yeah don't know if there was regular treatments in between that you might be able to advise on that but anyway if it's just this works this will even if it was a year this will help you for a year and then you'll come back for your other treatment that's mm-hmm. still effective and the social costs the social benefits in terms of saving money as well because yeah. these people can go to work if you've got major depression for 40 years chances are that you can barely pull yourself out of bed some days definitely and that's um from my experience with TMS and the patients we've seen of course there are some that are kind of as as we would call moderate so for them it won't feel moderate but um they're able to function mm-hmm. um but yeah the the people who have had it for many many years um that is it they're literally the only time they're coming out of bed is to come to the clinic yeah and that's it because they can't they they just can't function in any way at all um so it is yeah there's there's definitely room for it for those for those people um and it will it will help them for sure yeah i i experience the kind of same frustration because often the the first response when trauma is to give cbt yes um which there is all different types of cbta and mm-hmm. there is trauma informed but tend the one tend to be in the nhs are the six to 12 weeks very structured yeah, practical yeah. cbt um go and do these exercises come back which just is like when you understand how trauma impacts in the when you really understand the neuroscience yeah. Yeah. then you just think why would 
the prefrontal cortex yeah, isn't exercises. working, but you're giving you're giving people, I guess, exercises. Yeah. To engage. It's the same. It's the same um, in a way for depression. Is um, I've I've I was talking to um, a patient last week um, and her family about their experience and. This is a patient who's had severe depression for many years, over 20 years. And yeah. um, her mental health team were only trying to do the CBT with her and implement different goal setting strategies. Yeah. And as we've been saying, that will work for some people. Yeah. But when you have severe depression for this many years, mm-hmm. those strategies, you need to look at helping them in a different way. If, you've, if that person's been coming to therapy with you for however many years, why are you still trying to implement the exact same yeah. CBT approach that you've been doing before <laughs> and the worst part was that mental health nurse just then dropped that patient off her case really because they I... said she said to her um you're not doing you're not doing the exercises that I'm giving you so so I can't help you so you so we're, we're not taking you on anymore it's like well that's not their fault that they can't do the exercises that's I to- I find the same. I, I I have a lot of clients who have been dropped by their their mental health care because it's... they're just seen as untreatable, and but it, it comes back again that prefrontal cortex, both depression and yeah. trauma, they do not work effectively. The longer it goes on, the more damage and more difficult it is to engage. And I always think it's a bit like your example is a bit like going to physio. I don't know if you've ever been to a physio. Isabel and I'm ter- I've went and they give me exercises and I'm yeah <laughs> I pro- I do it probably through laziness rather than so it is maybe not the same example but mm-hmm. if you don't do the specific exercises on the bit paper yeah. that I could yeah. get online anyway yeah then they're like oh well we can't help you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but what I'm looking for when I've when I've ever been to a physio is more like someone to sit down and talk me through and really like engage and give me in that hour whatever something that's going to help yeah Yeah, absolutely and help you long term yeah some of the strategies are um and you know and I do it as well for moving minds I do like social media posts as well that just focus on like mood boosting tips and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. so kind of low level things that even for anyone who is who is quite healthy at the moment to do will help them but um yeah there's um I think I've kind of lost my trail of thought, but there's um, definitely different ways to approach it for yeah. different people. And I think having all these general level stuff as well is still great because it will still help someone. Yeah. Um, so the mood boosting stuff and you're just trying to reach, you try to come out from different directions to reach mm-hmm. someone and give them the yeah. help that they need. And it, because they're so individual, one thing might work from one person and one thing, and I think that it's all great what I always like to put an emphasis on is like it's okay if it doesn't work yes because I know from the trauma world and you may experience that from the uh, working with people with severe depression is that there's a lot of shame if they can't do it yes um you've given me this why am I not but why can't I do this there must be something wrong with me I've lived like this my entire life and it's incredibly sad and devastating absolutely I think for depression, they've then been running negative patterns and negative thoughts for so long. And the blame will be put on them. They by themselves, 
you know, by by good therapists or people that work with them, you know, you you don't, of course, put the blame on you them. You do yeah. anything but that. But um, yeah, for them, it will be seen as a personal failure. Although, of yeah. course, it's nothing to do with them. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not it's nothing they've done. Yeah. Um, but but they will absolutely see it as that, and that will just um, exacerbate what they're feeling. And, exactly. and they'll just think yeah that, well this is what I've been saying has been true for the last half many years yes uh-huh. just reinforces and it for them then they'll just give up as you would as mm-hmm. I, I you would naturally as, as back to the mental health team and nurses that drop their that drop their clients well yeah. you're not just reinforcing to them that they're the problem yeah uh-huh. they're not exactly. the problem <laughs> you're <No>. the problem <laughs> Yeah, totally. And you know what I love most about this job is if you approach it from a really like a curiosity point of view of like is a challenge, right? So you've got let's yeah. work together, let's find out, let's try everything that we can. Absolutely. Until yeah. we get something that works. We will get you better. Yeah. Exactly. And I do, the right thing for you. Exactly. And I do I mean I've had some really uh, I've had clients who have been in therapy for 30 30, 20 30 years and not had a breakthrough and then just applying different things until you get something and that is a breakthrough I mean with a lot of these clients yes it's not the same as you say it's a treatment it's not the same as they'll go on and live their life as if they never had depression or they never had trauma Mm -hmm. or that they were completely 100% symptom free it is a lifelong thing I think it's yeah. always about being realistic, but it's about mm-hmm. managing your symptoms to a level where you can go out and enjoy your life. Yes. Yeah, you'll have to work at it constantly yeah. and consistently, as we all do with, with other areas of well-being. Um, exactly. It's, yeah, constantly learning and pushing and developing. But I think probably something else, um, from the people who have more... Um, sort of long-term and severe depression it may be the same with trauma I'm not sure but um, they can find it more difficult to notice when they're improving and notice the changes so that's when you have to then start implementing other strategies and Mm -hmm. kind of showing them and telling them where they were at the start and different things like that to really get them to recognize actually yeah you know, you are improving, you are doing a bit better for X, X and X reason. Yeah. Um, but that's, for a lot of them, that's their identity then, isn't it? You know, um, and you'll see it in trauma. I think it's quite strong with, with yeah. trauma survivors mm-hmm. as well as they, then that is their identity. That's part of them. That's who they are. Yeah. Um, and that can be one of the difficult things to, to yeah. shake. But once you do, I think that has a really big impact once you can move on the identity stuff. Yeah, I mean, identity is probably core bit in my work, especially with earlier traumas, mm-hmm. because they've never really had a chance to form an identity, which yeah. impacts them neurologically, but in just an overall sense as well, because I guess their understanding of the world, if you've been sexually abused as a child, doesn't kind of fit into what you grow up in your culture and your society and trying to put mm-hmm. those two together. Definitely. Uh, you've got then, a totally different blueprint and map for the world don't you exactly and then change that's why they often people don't notice change is because change is terrifying for trauma survivors because Mm -hmm. as much as it's terrifying living with that identity it's still that is this going to be worse I don't that fear of unknown Mm -hmm. who actually am I am I 
a good person? Am I a bad person? Yeah. If I change, is this, am I going to become worse? Mm -hmm. So it's a huge thing. And that's, and it, you, it's great when you start to see someone create themselves an identity built on the foundation of who they are is underneath yeah. it all. Yeah. So that to become themselves. And yeah. once you start to get that and you work through all the neurological and the trauma stuff, you, CBT can be really effective then because it's mm -hmm. right this is my life now what what the hell do I do with that and then you can yeah. use CBT strategies to go right well let's set goals yeah and that's it yeah but it can't in my opinion anyway it just doesn't come first yeah I, I agree I completely agree and when we use TMS um that's it we go straight for the the yeah. kind of neurological side of it the neuroscience side we we affect how the neurons in your brain are working yeah. um, as a way that's beneficial for you and once once they're firing more and they're firing as they should be then you can start to implement the other yeah. strategies and we do suggest cbt for people who are then in remission mm -hmm. and we say this this will likely stop you from relapsing that's very good evidence that it will stop you from relapsing yeah, yeah. and it's a great tool to use and it does mm. work for those situations for sure but definitely when you're looking at the more kind of severe stuff, um, there's definitely other methods, other, other methods, yeah. Um, yeah, you have to kind of target a bit more deeply into the actual brain, don't you, in the biological structures? Yeah, uh -huh. but I think, it, it, I, I do find it really interesting. And as we spoke about before, Isabel, and I've mentioned on other podcasts, is I am dead keen on a neuroscience like it just fascinates mm. me because it, yeah. it just allows you to build up a really good picture yeah uh, of human beings and I know for some people it's a wee bit too sciencey and it could be a wee bit reductionist is that the right word in terms of understanding human beings but I don't yeah. think I yeah. think you need it because it just it gives you so much information definitely and I think um if used in the right way it can help people to understand again kind of mm -hmm. going back to what we were saying about people feel like it's them yeah it's mm -hmm. it's not you it's it's the way that your brain is currently yeah. and the way it's currently functioning and mm -hmm. as I say there will be things once you're in a kind of um better place that you can do that will help that functionality as yeah. well and boost it back up but um yeah there's there's you know there's the structures you can't affect when you're so severely depressed or in that kind of childhood trauma state yeah um, yeah yeah and my message and i think i've said this plenty of times before as well is for people to try different things whether it's trauma, yes. whether it's major depression to to explore and there's so many options out there and yeah. don't see like TMS is some scary technological type thing. It yeah. clearly has shown to be effective. And if yeah. it doesn't, it, it's shown to help a lot of people. But if it doesn't, there's other options out there as well. Yes, yeah. I think that's it. It's it's um, increasing awareness of what the other, again at this stage, treatments are, yeah. um, because there are other ones on this many more developing at the moment which i'm i'm hoping to kind of look into a bit more in the coming weeks and mm -hmm. do some blogs and things like that on but there's so many things being researched that will help those people yeah. that other things haven't haven't helped yeah um, and i think getting a clinician or a therapist or 
whatever the whatever sort of area you go to get help that they're knowledgeable and that they're supportive as well okay. that they don't pressure you into you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that you need trauma therapy or you need tms it's about well these are the options are really effective let's have a conversation about it and see how it might affect you yeah and certainly that's there's also um preliminary evidence coming in which um i'm sure there'll be more studies in the next few years but saying that actually if you use and it's similar with like medication if medication wants to be and use it with therapy yeah. you may get a better response the same yeah. as with tms so so for um ptsd for example you can use um different paradigms that will boost its effectiveness and your responsiveness to it um and it's the same for depression so we do different things with people some of it will involve goal setting but again it's different for different people it's what's going to work for them um mm -hmm. but definitely there's there's strategies and different things being introduced that will just help the um process even more Definitely. it's not just it's not just come and have tms or come and have this type of therapy like it used yeah. to be counseling everyone would go yeah. for counseling it's yeah. like well no it might help you but there's other things that will also help you that we should also use yeah you know, it's yeah. about using all these different things mm -hmm. to really maximize yeah how much you can help someone and help them the best way that you can yeah. i'm particularly interested in the moment and it's not legal in this country as such yet but hallucinogenics for PTSD. Yes. Um, I think that's probably a, a whole conversation because obviously that's activating neurons yeah. in the brain as well. Exactly. Yes. It lights up specific networks similar to other things. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Um, there's, yeah, I've, I've noticed there's been a lot of that work coming out in the last five years. And I'm also incredibly interested in it. Um, and I do think it will happen over here. I think there might be some work in King's College at the moment happening. I might be wrong, but definitely in London. I think, I think right. they're doing quite yeah. a lot of studies on it. Yeah. Um, but I always find this funny because do you remember, it must have been about 10 years ago, maybe, maybe more, I'm not sure. And there was that Professor Nutt who was, what did he come out and say? He said something about drugs. It may have been recreational drugs but it may have also been drugs that were used to help um mental health conditions but he was basically saying that they could be good for you if used in the right way um yeah. and they could help your mental health and well-being and yeah. everyone completely shunned him he lost his job he was yeah, like publicly know. shamed basically uh -huh. and told basically they said that he was promoting drugs um and all of this kind of stuff which he wasn't doing at all yeah now like however many years later it is he's very well respected and people have gone back and said actually you are right and they're looking at all these drugs that he was talking about helping yeah um and i i think about that all the time i have a couple of books at the moment that have his name on and he's publishing loads more research and i just think gosh i remember that and i wish i could remember exactly the details of it um but i do remember his name professor nat and use double t and um yeah being a whole big thing in the media and now he's like doing all these mad things and people really respect him for it but it's all along the same line yeah exactly it's just that that <laughs> cultural thing on hallucinogenics drugs yeah it's that it's ingrained in us that it's a bad thing and mm -hmm. but i mean it makes when it comes to ptsd if you can activate 
certain if you you really just want to reconnect the brain and that exactly. alongside therapy is then you're cognitively restructuring i mean that's what i do yeah. with therapy yeah I exactly to reduce a res- the threat response in the brain to then activate yeah. all the other parts my yeah. job would be so much easier if there was a drug that did that and i just yeah. cognitively restructured it with them it's, it's using it at the same time, isn't it? If, you, yeah. if, you, if you're getting the drug to activate it and then you're doing work with them um, yeah. to look at the other parts of it, it's going to, it seems nonsensical. Of course yeah. it's going to work. Um, just kind of what you're doing with your TMS. Is it yeah, same, same thing. It's just activating the network, but in a, but in a different way. Yeah. Um, for sure. It's, um, yeah, it's really interesting. And I, I, I hope um, the research that I've seen, although it has been little, um looks to be um kind of robust and you know of course more work needs to be done but i think it could definitely be a way that things progress a bit more in the future well hopefully because i think things do need to progress one way or another absolutely absolutely as we say it's about opening up the neural pathways a bit more and getting them the, the networks that haven't been used, or as you say, for trauma, it's sometimes that amygdala is obviously overactive and yeah, yeah. Um, firing a bit too much. But yeah, if you can uh, activate all the networks that are a bit more quiet, um, it'll definitely help. Definitely. Right. Well, we just end it there, Isabel. So it yeah. was great chatting to you. And I think we should probably organise another one in the future. Yeah. I would love that. That was great. If anybody listening to this has any questions about TMS, I will put Isabel's details in the bottom. Good. Thank you. Thank you very much.